0: Well, a lot of the children the young people are online more now than before during covid and so these predators these traffickers have found ways to get to them they have a broader audience now because so many children are online and so they are getting they're finding ways to get to these individ- these young people
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Power Up Women, our cross-generational, cross-cultural conversation about leadership, power, gender, and social justice. I'm Ann
2: Doyle. And I'm Dana Harvey. So January is National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month, but this silent, behind-the-scenes, horrifying travesty against young girls and women is a year-round crisis. And it's going on in my
1: county and your community, whether or not we see it or even want to believe it. And you know, it's a crisis that seems to only get news coverage around Super Bowl time because it's a well documented fact that dozens, maybe hundreds, of enslaved girls are brought to wherever the Super Bowl is being played.
2: Yes, yeah, so true. But one of the nationally recognized organizations fighting this crisis and helping its victims is thankfully headquartered right here in Detroit.
1: Alternatives for girls
2: right here in Detroit, they've
1: been on the front lines of helping girls, young women, and often their children for 34 years. And we have with us two of AFG's leaders today. Sandra Ramakan is Director of Outreach and Educational Services for AFG. Welcome, Sandra.
2: Thank you so much, Anne. And we also have Don Barrick who is the Director of Fund Development for AFG. Welcome Dawn. Hi Dana, I'm glad to be here.
1: You know, the work that AFG does with girls and women in crisis, I know is a lot bigger than sexual trafficking and we want to get to all that as well as to the way that our listeners can help. But let's start with sexual trafficking. Sandra, give our listeners a sense of really what is it and how big an issue is it in the US and globally and really who are its victims?
0: Well, thank you again. The Polaris Project defines um, human trafficking as uh, the business of stealing freedom for profit. Stealing freedom for profit. When human trafficking really occurs, when a person is reinforced, is compelled against their will, either through force, fraud, or coercion. Those are the three things force, fraud, or coercion, either into sex acts, commercial sex acts, into labor, or some kind of service. And uh, really, I wanted to um, for us to really know that if someone is under eighteen years of age and who and they're being induced into a commercial sex act, it's called it's considered trafficking. What we're seeing is that a lot of individuals, you ask who the victims are, a lot of them are young girls and it does it's not exclusive to girls. It could be boys as well, but in the young girls who are between the ages of eleven to fourteen. Think about that. 11 to 14, that's the first introduction to um, sex trafficking. But it it could span across all ages. You know, the victims, they have no real faith. I mean, we can't say it's, you know, someone who lives in an impoverished area. We can't say that it's just in the, you know, cities. We can't say that it's happening in rural areas. It's happening in in different communities. It's happening to people who are of different complexions, people who have, um, you know, from different demographics. They, it doesn't matter if they are fluent or if they're poor. It, it's happening across the board. It's a billion-dollar industry across the world. Globally, the billions of dollars is made from this heinous crime. And in America, definitely millions and millions are happening. Traffickers can be the, uh, a male or a female. A mother is doing it, or some family member is doing it, is doing trafficking an individual. So once someone builds trust with someone, because that's how it happens, then they require them to do more. A lot of it is through the grooming process. The traffickers depend on someone being vulnerable. So they, they really work on those vulnerabilities, and they build trust that way. Sometimes it could take a long time. Sometimes it's a short period of time. But once they build trust, that's when they move in. It's happening to anyone. There's no real faith that we could identify, it's just anyone, and it's happening everywhere and anywhere. So
2: Sandra, um, you touched on something that I wanted to ask about. And of course, we definitely need to hear about the services, the the critical services that you provide, but how do the victims um, seek help? How do they self uh, identify as a victim of crime? Um, How do they ask for help? How do you find them? How do they find you?
0: We have a street outreach program called Safe Choices. And we are out on the streets during the week, a couple of times a week, and we go out in the nights, and we're reaching those um, sex workers, those street workers where they are, which a lot of them that we see on the streets really are being forced to do what they're doing. And we're taking resources. We know that the trafficker uh, is taking a lot of the resources from them. So if they give them a quote of say $1,000 that they have to bring in for that day, you know, once they make that thousand dollars or whatever the amount is, that's taken from them. So they have needs. They have you know they may need food or they may need clothing. We re- realize that a lot of them are on drugs and they they have they're using needles. And so we're taking harm reduction kits out to them, safer ways to do things, bleach kits so they can clean their needles. And also we're giving them condoms they get to know us and then they build trust with us and then they give us information or they know that we're there and they come to us when they are able to, if they're able to, um, you know, leave the ones on the streets are telling others and we're giving out, we don't street outreach. So we're giving out a lot of information that we're here and we're doing this work. And so that's how they end up coming to us.
1: Well, Dawn, how does alternative for girls get involved in and how do you help them?
3: Alternatives for Girls has been around for 34 years. We celebrating our 34th anniversary this year. When you think of where we've come from and where we've come and where we are today, back in um, 1988 in, a, in an area in Detroit, actually right near where the original Tiger Stadium was located, there were a group of Southwest Detroit residents, clergy, business people that began to share concerns about the alarming increase of drug use, homelessness, street-based prostitution and activity among girls and young women. There was an overwhelming number of girls and young women just living on the streets. They found out there was plenty of services for boys and young men, but as they researched, there was nothing available for this underserved population. So the neighborhood decided they needed to come together to figure out what role they could play. So AFG started as a grassroots effort, and in January, 1988, on a cold winter day with no financing yet in place, a 60-year-old young lady appeared on the doorstep of St. Peter's Episcopal Church, which is where we we started our original programming um, with nothing but her clothes on her back and nowhere to go. At that time, they knew they couldn't turn her away. And so AFG began as a small volunteer-run program operating with a five-bed emergency shelter in a neighborhood church. So fast forward 34 years, we've evolved into a multi-service agency with over 60 full-time staff we're housed in this two-story brick building that we actually built in 2002, located on West Grand Boulevard and Martin Luther King Boulevard intersection. Our mission is to help homeless, high-risk girls and young women avoid violence, teen pregnancy and exploitation, and to help them explore and access the support, resources and opportunities necessary to be safe and grow strong and to make positive decisions. We have a shelter program, which includes housing. We have a prevention program, and we have our outreach and education programs. People can reach out to us by calling our main number. Um, They can also reach out to us through our website, alternativesforgirls.org. And when they call us at 313-361-4000, they can be connected to our crisis resource center. That is our, our main hub of where all of our calls come in. And from there, our staff in the Crisis Resource Center are able to help provide basic resources and services, help connect them with some of our programming. For example, our shelter program provides a safe, temporary home, case management and counseling to homeless girls and young women aged 15 to 21, and also their children, six and under. The goal is to empower them to lead a safe, productive life AFG Shelter can house up to 24 young women and, their, and up to 14 children at a time. Within our shelter programs, there's services such as transition to independent living where our program includes life skills, classes, counseling and case planning services for up to one and a half years. This allows us to give these girls and young women the tools they need to transition to safe and stable homes, continue their education and find jobs that will lead to life-sustaining careers. We also have within our shelter and aftercare program, which supports our young women for up to 90 days after exiting our residential programs. Our case planners work with them on home visits, referrals and resources to help these women positively adjust to the community. And there's so much more within prevention, excuse me, within our shelter. And this last year alone within our shelter, we helped 171 girls and young women through our programs and services. When you look at other opportunities for other needs that our community has, we have our prevention department where we serve girls seven to 19 who are at risk of pregnancy, gang involvement, abusing drugs or alcohol or school truancy. And so our staff works to engage our women and girls through our after-school program, through our Rise and Sign summer camp, through our Girls with Ambition program, which is a federally funded teen pregnancy prevention project and so much more. And even with, the, with COVID and the pandemic this last year, through our prevention program, we were able to support and help 405 participants. And that also includes their family. We have a lot of girls and their family members that are, are Hispanic and only speak Spanish. We have a case planner that can work to, to help translate, works with them directly, you know, helps the families, not just the girls, helps the families figure out how to read documents, how to, you know, reach out for medical care and things like that.
0: We have a crisis resource center that we are fielding a lot of crisis calls and doing crisis intervention. That's kind of, um, I call it the triage of uh, AFG because a lot of people come through there to get um, to access our other services in the organization. We also offer a form of a drop-in, if you will, for a lot of the women, the sex workers and women on the streets or homeless Weren't able to take showers and get food and get clothes, a first set of clothes. They can come in on a daily basis when we're open to be able to do that. We have a teen outreach program that we go into the schools and we're teaching pre- uh, teen pregnancy prevention methods. And also we have a peer education program where we're raising up young women, young girls who are at high at high risk or at risk. Um, and teaching them how to become leaders and so that they can take messages, important messages to their peers. You shared
2: how critical the work is that you're doing, but I wanted to know if you can frame it in a way to inspire people to understand why is it so important that they support the organization? And I think we could probably couch that and, and maybe you could agree, how difficult has this year been on the,
3: the women and the girls that you serve? You know, this last year has been, has been difficult for everybody. COVID really impacted everyone, you know, came to us. None of us expecting it. In the last year, we have been able to provide services and programs to 917 girls on an ongoing basis. Then also through a lot of Sanders programs through street outreach, um, we've touched another 3,900 women and young girls as well. So ultimately, we have been able to serve or reach over forty-eight hundred girls and young women. Compared to previous years on a non-pandemic year, our numbers tend to be a little higher, closer to fifty-five hundred or six thousand. So, you know, when COVID hit us, our staff immediately jumped on what we need to do to be able to still provide our programs and services to those that needed us. AFG is an essential services provider. When the, when the pandemic hit, our crisis management protocols guided us to identify specific staff positions that were frontline immediately. This team was responsible for keeping the shelter and crisis center open for the girls experiencing homelessness with nowhere to go and to respond to girls and women in our community experiencing crisis. We assigned the remaining staff to work remotely. All of our team members immediately connected with our participants and families to support them with PPE, food and specific especially technology with schools going remote so many of our families did not have access to internet or even laptops so we worked we were very um, we were very lucky to have a few donors step forward and you know provide us under, underwrite the cost of hotspots for our families or laptops our adult participants and families in the community have struggled with you know job and income losses living in less than healthy s- situations moving in with abusive parents, partners and family, insufficient, um, insufficient space for all that had to be in the same room. The majority of our par- participants also have experienced mental health challenges that ranged from anxiety and anger to loss of focus and, de- and depression.
0: With the human trafficking, the sex trafficking um, component, well, a lot of the children, the young people are online more now than before during COVID. And so these predators, these traffickers have found ways to get to them. They have a broader audience now because so many children are online. And so they are getting, they're finding ways to get to these, indivi- these young people. So you may think as a parent that your child is just playing a regular game. But if they're playing a game that they can actually talk or interact with someone else as they normally do, they're competing, you know, with these games, then those traffickers are on those spaces. You know, on TikTok and um, Snapchat, and those, those traffickers are on there because the young people are on there even more now because of COVID. And so they are learning them through these means. They really learn them. And it could no, mean that they're asking them to, you know, uh, taking them to another social media spot, uh, space and then having them take pictures of themselves, you know, just, you know, talking to them that they really, you know, care about them, hearing, hearing them out, and then they build trust, and then it moves on from there. And so we're seeing that a lot more of that is happening and a lot because of COVID. And also, I know that we did touch a little bit on domestic violence. Many of the victims You know, a home, everybody's home because of the um, stay-at-home orders that we had during that time, and someone's home is not always their safe space, right? And so now they're forced to be home. They're isolated in in violent homes, you know. They don't have, a lot of them, we didn't have a lot of access to family members and friends because of the stay-at-home order, so they're at home and a lot, you know, the abuser may be experiencing heightened financial pressures or stress sometimes they could be drinking more because, of the, because you know they're locked in a tight space. COVID has really done its deal and kind of set a perfect storm, if you will, um, in, in both human trafficking and with um, domestic violence um, situations.
1: Well, you've given us a really good and very discouraging sense of uh, how, how serious these problems are and the services you provide. And I know that all of that takes money. And I know that uh, one of the, the biggest ways that you get support every year is through your annual role model dinner. And I am very happy to be the honorary chairwoman for this year's dinner, which is coming up in March. So, Dawn, uh, tell us about that event, what you have planned, and how people can help.
3: Our role model celebration, you know, we've been doing this event, this, again, going on 34 years. Um, We decided early on, way back when, that we needed to celebrate AFG's work every year, celebrate and recognize our participants, and find prominent women leaders in the community to honor and lift them up. These women become inspirations to our participants. AFG will be hosting this year's role model celebration on March 31st. And due to the pandemic, like many other organizations, we are holding our event virtually from 6 to 7 p.m. Our annual role model event is not only important because of the funds we raise, um, the funds raised help to support programs and services that are in our budget but are not funded by grants. But on top of that, this event allows us to honor women in the community who've made a positive impact both personally and professionally in all they do. Um, The event also allows us to match an AFG participant with each of our role model honorees so they can spend time together usually Non-pandemic years, our young women have the opportunity to spend a day with these women that they're matched with, at their offices, find out about their careers and aspirations. So this year we're doing a little different. they are going to have some virtual one-on-one times. Also, the fundraising components will components will consist of a silent and live auction, and raise the raise the paddle opportunity. And our goal this year is to raise two hundred eighty thousand dollars. When you look at our past role models, just to name a few, we've had 76 role models since our program began, Um, women like Guadalupe Lara, the honorable June Blackwell Hatcher. Last year, our role models were Monica Martinez from Comerica Bank, Denise Illich, and Palencia Mobley from the Detroit Water and Sewer Company. For people that are interested in getting involved and supporting all of our programs and services, there's so many different ways to get involved. We have tickets and sh- and virtual sponsorship opportunities available. Um, we have the opportunity for people to, to go to our website at alternativesforgirls.org and click on Donate Now and make a donation at any time. Um, and another way that people can contribute if they're looking to financially support us is by texting the word GIRLS to 345-345 to donate today. So financially supporting us, supporting us as a volunteer or even providing in-kind donations. We often need things like through Sandra's Sanders department and through Street Outreach hygiene bags that include things like toothbrush, toothpaste, shampoo, soap, water bottle, granola bars and things like that. So those are different ways women and men throughout our community can certainly get involved to support us.
1: Our Power Up Women podcast is going to buy an ad in your virtual program. And I encourage our listeners to come on, everybody, help us uh, meet this goal of the funds that AFG needs in order to continue doing their fantastic, very, very important work.
2: Absolutely. Um, both Don and, and Sandra, we really want to make sure that people know exactly how they can help and how they can get in touch. So
3: let us know what is it that you want people to take away with following this interview? One of the easiest ways people can help us is if you're on any of the social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter, please follow us. There's nothing like having people follow us and help to spread our message to everybody. We are trying to share all of our messaging, all of our educational materials and things to as many people as we can far and wide. Um, another way to part- or to support us is, you know, making an online donation. For an example, a hundred donate a hundred dollar donation would help AFG fund a trafficking survivor with a warm meal to eat, several food items to take with them, a hygiene kit, a warm shower, and a fresh set of clothes.
0: Oh, well, I joined with Dawn, and yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for highlighting the work. You know, the very important work, as you said, and uh, that Alternatives for Girls is doing. Um, we really appreciate this.
1: Well, we appreciate what you're doing. Uh, so thank you, Don Barrack and Sandra Ramakan, for really this outstanding and desperately needed work uh, that you're doing at Alternatives for Girls to stop this crisis of sexual trafficking and to help um, its victims and, and so many other uh women and girls and, and even their children who are at risk and helping them rebuild their lives i'm ann doyle
2: and i'm dana harvey our thanks to robin kenny and her motor city Women studio here in detroit for producing power up women
1: so let's, let's, let's all, all
2: go go power up, up. Thanks so much for joining. We hope you'll subscribe and share with your network and rate us on Apple or Google podcasts.
1: And Dana and I would love to hear from you through our email, powerupwomen.com, or join our Power Up Women Facebook group. And remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.